Well, hello again, everyone. Welcome to the Red and White Authority. I'm Art Regner. This is episode 123. And as always, the Red and White Authority is presented by Labatt Blue. Whether it's winter, spring, summer, or fall, it's always a good time to cozy up on the couch, start watching your favorite program with a nice, cold Labatt Blue. It is the official Canadian beer of the Detroit Red Wings. We just ask that you drink Labatt Blue responsibly. And with that, uh, let's bring in our guest. And it's no stranger to this program. It's Ken Daniels, uh, the television voice of the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, Ken, thanks for doing this. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Art. Great to be with you. Thank Great. you. Thanks. Uh, before we begin and talk about the offseason and the moves and what we think may or may not happen with this team, I, I want to get this out a couple of times. The Jamie Daniels Foundation, which we have talked about before on this podcast in the past, on Saturday, September 7th, at the soundboard at Motor City Casino, you're having your uh, celebrity roast, and it's Mickey Redmond this year, and tickets are available. Why don't you uh, tell the fans, if they want to get involved, how they can get involved? If you go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org, uh, for tickets, and you can also view the live auction items that are up right now and the silent auction items. Live auction will be the night of the dinner, obviously, but silent auction, if you sign up and everything's safe on there and with credit card, you can bid and you'll get notification on your mobile device that you've been outbid, etc. And it goes until probably 9.30 or so the night of the dinner, September 7th. But we got some terrific, fantastic silent auction items and the live auction items are great. Uh, the Red Wings have helped us out. Fox Sports Detroit has helped us out. So a great way to raise money. And tickets at, at Motor City Soundboard are available for Mickey's Roast, uh, $150 for what is called After 8. So people come in at 7.15. They can view the silent auction items. You have hors d'oeuvres, all your drinks, and uh, you go inside at 8 o'clock upstairs and the Jake Maurer band's going to play. They're up from Nashville because you know country music right. for Mickey. Oh yeah, and, definitely. Uh, Doc Emmerich's going to MC the night, and you'll be part of that. You'll be part of the live auction you can bid, obviously still with your silent auction. And then we're going to roast Mickey. And uh, as of right now, to roast Mickey, Marcel Dion, his yeah. former line mate, and his first roommate when Marcel moved here to Michigan. And there's a great story behind that, which I'm sure will be told by Mickey uh, the night of the roast, so I'm not going to give that away. So with, with Doc hosting, Marcel Dion, Jim Ralph, who's a Leafs radio analyst and one of the funniest after-dinner speakers I know, Ian Bagg, who's got a couple of Prime Video specials out. So Ian Bagg is going to roast Mickey as well. And Mike Babcock and Scotty Bowman. They're both oh, gonna, wow, beautiful. They're both going to roast Mickey. And next year, on August 29th, Scotty Bowman will get roasted. He's agreed to do that. Dennis Hull will be the, uh, the oh, main roaster wow. that night, along with Dave Coulier and some other big names still to come. So a lot of the Red Wings are going to be there at tables, and we thank them for their support. Red Wing alumni, Henrik Zetterberg will be there. Thomas Holmstrom, we're flying in from Sweden uh, this year on September 7th. So go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org for tickets to uh, view the auction items, bid on the auction items, and Art, what we're trying to do is build the Jamie Daniels Recovery Center here in Oakland County uh, for long-term, safe, sober living. Because as I always say when I speak, and I've spoken lots about this, obviously since Jamie's death, um, December 7th of 2016, that addicts don't want to be addicts. Uh, the chemical receptors in their brains have changed. Uh, they've tried something, and it could be through uh, a doctor's prescription. And you think a doctor prescribed it, you're okay. And within days, you're addicted. And unlike Nancy Reagan from the early 80s, just say no. It's very difficult to do so because the, the cognitive responses in your brain mm -hmm. have changed. And you can't. And so we hope that people don't judge these kids. And we didn't know what Jamie was going through. I know a hell of a lot more now than I did then. And I wish I knew then what I know now. I didn't. And that's why we speak out so much about it. So have empathy. These kids don't want to be where they are. Very hard to get off this, to change your brain, to get clean. And after you do in 30 days of, of detox, and that's the toughest thing these kids go through. And that's why they don't. It's a sick feeling to get off the drugs that they just can't handle. And that's why their brain says, no, I don't want to be sick. Use more. But once they go through detox and that is partially out of system, you're never fully cured you got this for the rest of your life, just like alcoholism, right, right? right? And that's why they need a safe, sober place to live while you have a job. And that's what we're trying to do. I've seen you speak. Um, the presentation, it's thought-provoking. It's heartfelt. Uh, it's, um, 
you do an incredible job. Thank you. And I remember after I saw you speak in Livonia, um, driving home, and it was, and you said something, and this is why I wanted to bring this up. I said, you know, Ken has changed. I can tell, not just because obviously when you, when you lose a loved one, it, the impact is, is lifelong. I, I completely understand that. But, and I think you hit it on the head. If you only knew back then what you know now, but you didn't, and you say this in the presentation, and, you know, and I've been down this road with a family member, different um, addiction, shall I say, but basically the same thing. You always think, okay, they're better now. Mm -hmm. You know, they're, okay, they finally got it. It's finally clicked in. But really, oh. it never does almost. All, I mean, it's very difficult. I mean, eventually, God, you haven't, you know, go, yes, please. It does probably, but it's not as cut and dry as maybe I thought back then and as you thought in the beginning. Oh, we're so naive and, and addiction, when the brain takes over and addicts will do anything they can to try to fool you, my son did with us. Right. He lied lots and saying, yeah, I'm good, dad, I'm good, dad. And I know when he was clean the first time when he got clean here in Michigan before relapsing and we were sitting in my kitchen and he looked at me and said, I'm never going through that again. I can't handle that again. I'm never using it again. Well, then the brain takes over and you, you, you just right. do. And he right. didn't want to. But yes, and you think, boy, this is going to be the success story. Boy, we're good. Right, right. He's got right. this. Exactly. You have no idea. And for those people who judge thinking it's not happening in their family, and by the grace of God, I hope it is not, it's probably happening three doors down and they're going through the anguish of it. And I implore people not to go through it alone but to speak out. And if you go to jamiedanielsfoundation.org and you go to the uh, About Us section and then click on Resources, if your family is struggling, go there because we have a list of questions to ask where you're looking to go into a facility to get help. What are the questions you need to ask? And we vetted the facilities, many throughout the United States that are on there. Because when we knew Jamie was going through it, and we'd say to him, are you high? And we didn't know. He graduated from Michigan right, State. He was, right. you know, seemed fine. But we could tell some things weren't right. But denial, denial, denial. And you can't force someone over 18 to go in and get help. And that's why I think when Jamie hit his breaking point the first time and said, Dad, I need to go to rehab, I broke down and cried because those were the greatest words I ever heard. And so many times and, and in rehab and when he was in the safe place in Florida, how many times I told him, and as did his mom and his sister, how proud we were of him, of what he was going through, because it's tough. Right. It's every day. Right. And, and anyone you know who's been addicted, and God bless those who come out the other side, okay. And I've seen many over the last few years who've done that, and many, unfortunately, who haven't. Um, it, it's a struggle and it's an everyday struggle, but you count those days and you count your blessings. Well, you know, Ken, you, you, you do an obviously a tremendous job that Jamie Daniels Foundation is, is you know, has grasped and, and it's taken hold here in Detroit and I hope so. uh, all over. I mean, no, it, it, it really has. And, you know, I, you know, every time we talk about something like this, it's difficult to like kind of transition into something that is obviously we take maybe way too seriously that would be the red wings mm -hmm. when, uh, when we talk about a subject but before we get into the wings in this off season and again that's saturday september 7th at uh, soundboard at motor city uh, casino uh, tickets are available there's a silent auction there'll be a live auction there and a portion of the 150 dollars is tax deductible right so really i mean for for food and your drinks and the entertainment, it it's it's a fun night. You know, I always date myself on this podcast, but I grew up with the old D. Martin Rose. Oh yeah, you know, kind Foster of stuff. Brooks. Yeah, right. Never had a dinner. You know, yeah, and I, I always, as much as I enjoyed the roasty getting roasted, I always like when the roasty got up and kind of roasted his. Uh, uh, you know, the dais, so to speak. And you know what? And I, I'm a, a, I tell Mickey all the time, and I'll give him some lines about the other guys that are there, and he'll say to me, I can't say that. I go, it's a roast. You could say that. Yes, you don't think you're going to get roasted now. There is a level of how mean you can be. Right, right, right. You know, I, I, you know, I, I don't know how, be, how mean they'll, they'll be to Mickey. I can't see Scotty Bowman being that mean, but it'll be funny. Nor Doc Emmerich, who's the sweetest man I've ever met in my life. Right, right. But however, but he'll be a, a wonderful MC. So I'm, I'm just looking forward to see what comes out of it. Well, yeah, because we, we both know Mickey very, oh, yeah. very well. I can't wait to see. 
I'm sure I can't wait to see him roast these guys, you know, his his uh, his compatriots up there, the people roasting him, because like you just said, I'm not sure how far he will go because he's just such a good guy. That's why I I, I don't know. But even that will be funny. And we've got <laughs> right. something planned for Mickey when he does come out. So <laughs> that'll be great. And, and, you know, Mike Babcock and Scotty Bowman and Ian Bagg's a very funny comedian from Vancouver and Jim Ralph, uh, you know, Dennis Hall next year, Jim Ralph this year for the tour. First two years of the Jamie Daniels Celebrity Roast would be awesome. I just talked to Scotty Bowman the other day. He's 86 years old. When we roast him next year, he'll be turning 87. And I'm going, I'm talking to him, and he is so with it and so funny. And I gave him one example of the roast, and he went on. It was I'm just amazed how wonderful he is. Well, I, every time I see him, it's like... It's he's, Rain Man. He, he, well, he's, he's, he's still the same. He's yes. still like he's coach still for the, the Red Wings. And doesn't look his age either. No, no, he definitely does no. not look his age. No, no. God bless and, you know, so, yeah, well, that'll be great. That, that, that will be wonderful. Let's, uh, let's turn our attention to the Red Wings. Obviously, on April 19th of 2019. Uh, all the 19s. <laughs> yes, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, all the 19s came into alignment. Steely Dan 19 should be the, yeah. Okay. <laughs> right. Everything came into, you know, into alignment with... Uh, with Steve Eisenman coming back home, uh, I don't think any of us were surprised that Ken Holland probably would eventually maybe leave for another organization. It came, it came rather quickly, yet when you look what he has at Edmonton, speaking of, uh, of Ken very quickly here, uh, Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle isn't a, a bad pair to start it's a good with. start. Yeah. And, I, yeah. and I think that was a big part of his decision, but also his decision to leave... Part of his legacy, I would think, in his mind, is that he helped bring Steve Eisenman here because he wanted that for the fans. And, and right. whether it was a, a change for him, I, I, I believe he would have been certainly in the running for the Seattle job. But being out of the game for two years, even though you're in the game, but not hands-on every day, I think would have been really hard for him. I, he wanted to be hands-on. So hands-on and helping to bring Steve here. And I think he loved that. And for the team and the city and for the Illich family. And then moving on to Edmonton, as you say, with McDavid and Drysaddle, it's a pretty good starting point. Right. Well, and, and, and for fans to get how difficult this was for him to walk away from the Red Wings and to leave, uh, I'm talking about Ken Holland here, is that when you're talking to him and you're, you know, because obviously he's very familiar with the organization. I can remember at the draft in Vancouver, I saw him Saturday morning. We were walking in together. And he was like, hey, Art, how are you doing? And it's like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing good, Ken. Uh, he goes, uh, big day. I go, yeah, busy day. He goes, uh, I go, yeah, we have uh, uh, nine draft picks. At that time, they had nine. They hadn't traded, you know, they traded for an extra one during the day. And he goes, uh, he goes, oh, I know, I know. And I go, yeah, I know, you know, because basically you're the guy who acquired all these picks. And we both started laughing. But when you talk to him, he fades in and out of saying Detroit or we. He right. still says we when he's talking about the Red Wings and the prospects. And then he catches himself. And then you go, and, and also in Edmonton we have, you know, but... Well, it was close to four decades. With right, the exactly. As you a know. player, and you know, that's what you know. He'll say, he goes, you know, Jimmy Devilano is here thirty-eight years or whatever it is. I was here thirty-six. I mean, so yeah. So I mean, he'll be missed, obviously, um, but it couldn't have been turned over to a better person than Steve Eiserman, whom I know he put. You know, so I'm patient and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I think patience is only going to take him so far. Uh, uh, I think that uh, he is so laser focused right now in on this job. And if you look at it, this offseason, he's done a lot in a very quiet, understated manner. I don't know. Would you, you agree with that? Yeah, because in part of that, when he said it, his introductory news conference was the patience. Right. That's what he's saying. And, and he's right. It's, it's not. Ken Holland said it and got crucified when he said 10 years. I never necessarily agreed with it. It's a 10 years right. in a rebuild. Yes, there is the, the outlier where a few can do it a little quicker. But overall, if you seriously go through team by team in the numbers, it to be a Stanley Cup true contender at 10 years, probably. Boston did a very nice job transitioning. Remember when they oh, missed yeah. the playoffs for a couple of years and it was very close by a point or so. So there's an outlier there. But without getting Kane and Taves, you know, at the, right. at the top of the draft in Chicago and Crosby with Malkin there, et cetera, so there's five or six years there, 
Really, for the most part, it is that long. Look how St. Louis went from 1967 before winning their first right, Stanley right, Cup. Exactly. Columbus has finally won a, a playoff series the past year. Toronto hasn't won a cup since 1967. So when you talk about a rebuild, yes, there's the outlier. But generally, I always thought it was six to seven years. So, you know, it's been a couple of years under Ken Holland acquiring the draft picks and now Steve Eisenman. So if it's another two to three before whatever your vision is of truly contending, and Ken Holland probably by his own admission now, except for those players that he wanted to keep adding to to give them the last kick at the can, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe could have started it a year or two earlier. I think he'd even say that. But yeah, I know he does why, say I, that. Yeah, but I know why he didn't. So let's say they had done that in four years. And then you got a couple more years here. It's generally six to eight before you're truly, for the most part, a contender. So I think Steve knows that. It doesn't mean you're... You're not building as you go, and you're, you're, you know, whether it be a Patrick Nemeth or a Philpola, and you're buying time for some others. Very astute moves because you're not a Stanley Cup contender right now on this day, and you're just hoping you can be competitive enough, and maybe something happens playoff-wise, but you at least want to be competitive, and I think that's what they're trying to do in the entertainment dollar. For many nights last year, the Red Wings were very entertaining and to see the kids and the 30 goal scorers and man Athena see you and Larkin and Mantha so how's Zadina going to do so there there's still lots to watch and be hopeful for but to truly be there it takes patience well there seems to be greater interest in the Red Wings now where they're at and with maybe some of the young guys a lot of that is because of Steve too well yeah well cer certainly yeah with him being back but right. I also think one thing that happened at the end of the season, and obviously we were both there, we both watched all the games, was the emergence, and Jeff Blaschel couldn't stress this enough, of what he hopes, and I think what we hope when the season begins and they start playing for keeps for real again, um, the emergence of Larkin, Mantha, and Bertuzzi as a legitimate number one line. If they can be a, a number one line, meaning they can shut down the other team's top line and contribute offense, it doesn't make... The rebuild, it accelerates the rebuild, and it kind of, I don't know, has an umbrella effect on the way the rest of the lineup just kind of almost falls into place. You've seen them play. I've seen them play. They seem to have a chemistry together. Mm -hmm. You've seen the top lines in the uh, National Hockey League. Perhaps one of the best in uh, uh, Bergeron, Marchand, and Pasternak mm -hmm. is, is in their own division, uh, uh, Boston. And many think that might be the top line when, when they're really cooking. Are they, Larkin, Mantha, and Bertuzzi, are they a legitimate number one line in your mind? Oh, I think they are. I wouldn't put them in the, the Bergeron class. But right, right, they, yes, right, right, but, right. But sure, they are. They're, they're a top line. Yeah, and I, and I think the, the nice thing is about Dylan Larkin is his motor and learning the full ice game, which he's done. Uh, started that, you know, as a winger and, and the center ice spot, and it's it's a lot to put on him, but he's... He's such a rink rat and every day wants to get better and better that that drives him. And I think, you know, when people said he wasn't a goal scorer, why do you think he's, he wanted to be a 30 goal scorer? For sure. Just to just to tell people, no, I am. So don't tell me I can't do something. I will do it. And I think his drive may rub off on on Anthony Mantha. Too. So I think Larkin can drive Mantha. Anthony Mantha can score, but you want it more. We all want it more on a consistent level. Yeah, right. 82 games is tough to do at 82 games, but you want it at least 60. Right. You, you know, you can't do it every night. I get it. And Bertuzzi, Tyler is a honey badger, so he does what he does. Right. So, yeah, I think it's a good unit, but you also need what's coming behind, whether it be a Zadina or Philpola filling a slot. And I think, you know, they want Athanasiu probably as a winger more than right. a center, but it was a nice experiment at least. And, and you could probably put him there, but at least it showed him what that's like to play center and, and the drive that it takes to do that every day. Well, the assumption, I guess, at this point, since they signed Val Philpola, whom obviously Steve likes as a player because he signed him in Tampa and now he brought him back mm -hmm. here to Detroit. Um, and, and Val, I always thought Val was a good Red Wing. His shooting percentage was pretty good last year. I don't know if those numbers are yeah, sustainable. Yeah, it's like, yeah exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah they, they were. But I would assume he's on the second line if you look at it that way with, with Athens CU. But then after that, 
I guess Nielsen third line center and Glendening fourth line center or Glendening could be. I, I think Glendening on the wing can can help and 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 do the dirty work and dig out pucks. So it gives us some options. I mean, you got Darren Helm who can play center. Uh, you've 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 got Christopher N. You got De La Rose depending on on his health. And I, I wouldn't be surprised at some point to maybe see Franz Nielsen playing some wing. So, you know, what do you do with Rasmussen? I would think Svechnikov would, would maybe start in Grand Rapids having missed a year. So you've got some positions there that certainly when these guys come into camp, there are positions open that you should be fighting for. When they're fighting for, and again, this is just speculation on my part. I'm just asking. We're Ken. all speculating. Yeah, ours. exactly right. That's I, what we I do. know. <laughs> and we're really good at it. Yeah, well. Rumor, innuendo, and speculation. That's what we, we thrive on. Uh, but... Zadina, I want him to make the team. I mean, I just do. I mean, I want him to make it last year, but that's the fan in me speaking. But if he makes the team, if he's not a top six forward, he should be back in Grand Rapids then. That's the way I look at it. Because if he's not a top six forward, he might get special time, uh, special teams. He might be on the power play. But this is a kid that's going to have to play, play with players that you know are more established, at least at the NHL level, than him, right? I mean, he. he but why couldn't he be? Why couldn't he be third line for a while? If I remember a year ago, Mitch Marner was fourth line in Toronto, and the whole city was. Was besides themselves. Mike Babcock had Mitch Marner on the fourth line. Yeah. Still, uh, Austin Matthews doesn't get the minutes that that they think he should. But that's another story. Right. But at some point, yes, I don't. I see think we a get to the leash eventually. No, I don't see the fourth <laughs> line there. But I'm saying that Mitch Marner is leading their team in scoring and now asking for more money than Austin Matthews. So, right, right. well, I don't think if Sedina's a third line, and it depends how Hirose plays, and if not Grand Rapids, and you bide your time, and who's going to step up? That's the wonderful thing about it. What does Michael Rasmussen do? Does he ultimately become a center? Is he a winger? Is he in Grand Rapids? I don't know. That's what training camp's for, right? Well, I'm real eager to see where Rasmussen is at training camp. Right. I, I really am because, you know, I know him. I like him. Uh, you know, uh, and he does have an extraordinary skill set in front of the net for a man his size. I know Jeff Blaschel constantly talks about it. And quite frankly, I think that's one of the reasons they didn't send him back to junior last year was because of that skill set. That skill set, and I think they didn't send him back to junior, although I wondered about it. Uh, they didn't send him back to junior because they thought if you go to junior hockey and you're that big a man and you've already dominated, right. you're going to dominate but you're not truly getting as to why you're dominating and how tough it truly was or is. And that's why they want him in the National Hockey League for that to say, see, this is what you got to work on. This is how hard it is. That's why he didn't go back. But then there's the other side. Do you lose some confidence? Do you realize what have you learned out of it? That's the question. Well, you know, I, I, I'm going to call it Anthony Mantha syndrome because, you know, Anthony Mantha... Uh, is one of the most honest players mm -hmm. you're ever going to meet. He yeah. will tell you know I, he's the only player I can. He owns really, it. He owns it. Right, exactly. You yes. can say, boy, you weren't too good tonight. And it's like, yes, I know. I don't know right. why. You know, I mean, I know you. You don't need to tell me. I know I was not good tonight, and and I'm upset and frustrated by it. But he tells a great story, and on on the Red and White Authority, he has, and I've written about it several times on DetroitRedWings.com. Where you know he broke his leg, so when he when he turned pro, so that set him back. But he was really under the impression, and I tease him about this, that he thought that the AHL when he got to Grand Rapids was going to be a glorified Quebec league. And he's the first to admit that when he was in the Quebec league, some nights he just didn't feel like playing. Right. So he'd skate up and down his wing, and then he'd say, "It's time to score a goal." You know, mm -hmm. the mood would be, you know the mood would be in him. And so he'd get the puck and he'd go down and score a goal. He scored like 80-some or whatever it was. So, you know, that transition. And, I, you know, I, I laugh when I think about it because that's a kid. I mean, that's just a, that, that, that Most young people, when something comes easy to them, they just assume that it's always going to come easy to them. And as you get older and you find out through competition and you, maybe you're not quite as good as you think you are. It's, you know, several Michigan football players told me, when I got on the football field, a scholarship athlete at Mich on Michigan's football team, I realized that everybody else that was on this field was the first mm -hmm. team all state in their respective states in high school. I mean, we're, you're all about the same, you know? Right. And then, and then it comes down to desire. Um, I think you're probably right. Maybe that's why Rasmussen was kept in Detroit because he, 
he could not, if anything, it could have harmed his development because, God, you know, he gets a thousand points for Tri-City in the Western League. Well, it doesn't really matter, does it? Because no. where does where is his development? So that's why, again, going back, and I know I'm on a long diatribe here, that's why I'm really eager to see where he is at because he is a very serious, astute person. Quiet. Just So I'm going to see exactly yeah. how he applies his personality and his desire, how that translates into his game this season. And if he and if he didn't out of camp make the Red Wings and he's in Grand Rapids, that won't necessarily hurt him. Remember, he couldn't go there last year. That probably right. would have been the best place for him. Right. And yeah, and, and when he did go down in a rehab stint, he was very good. It right. was, yeah, I think he had three points in three games or whatever. A couple scored a couple of goals and then came back to Detroit and had a little bit of a mini surge, if I remember correctly. And then I also, I, I also wondered if, uh, by the deadline, if he would have gone back for junior for the playoffs. But as it turns out, I don't think Tri-City advanced at all anyway. But, but, but right. they chose not to send him back Right, there, so. because they really actually wanted him to go to Grand Rapids for the playoff right. run, which unfortunately only turned out to be five games. Right. Because they were eliminated by Chicago, who eventually played for the Calder Cup and lost to... Uh, uh, Carolina's farm team. I think was it Indianapolis or no, no Charlotte, Charlotte, Charlotte. Yeah, yeah, Charlotte. The checkers who won it all. The checkers, yeah, right. it's, yeah, they won it all. Chicago represented right. the. I guess the Grand Rapids is in the Western Division in the AHL. And so when we look at this, there are some intriguing forward matchups. Um, the thing that Steve has said, and that you know I, I like, is that he doesn't want these prospects to be on a yo-yo. Wherever they end up is where he would like them to stay. And I, that makes sense to me because he wants them to, you know, hone in on their craft, get used to playing in a team environment and a concept. And the thing I like about the Red Wings, and maybe most organizations are this way, is that if you play, even for the Toledo Walleye or the Grand Rapids Griffins or the Detroit Red Wings, you all play basically the same style. Right. So when you keep moving up, you don't have to reacclimate yourself to the system as much. You know what the system is. You obviously have to up your game as you go up a level, certainly. But uh, but I like I, I kind of like that philosophy. Yeah, and there are injuries that are going to necessitate a, a player coming up for a short period of time and then going back down. That's going to happen. You know, there's going to be injuries through the year. But yeah, I, I and I think Ken Holland was thinking the same thing. He didn't want guys up and down, and that's Steve's philosophy. Right. They're going to be here. They're going to be here, and then maybe injuries will dictate someone coming up for a bit. But, yeah, I, I, I think for, for state of mind and for comfort and sometimes out of sight, out of mind, and the back and forth, or you're here and then you go back down and you're bummed out and you're going on the bus again and, and coming back, I, I think it's better for everybody that you, you sort of find your place best you can because injuries are going to derail that. Right, yeah, certainly. There, there's definitely going to be call-ups. Oh. Uh, uh, Giovanni Smith, who's one of our who's one of our bloggers, says, "You know, my goal is to make the Red Wings." You know, Steve has been very open. There's jobs open on this club. He's pretty much said that. So that gives incentive to virtually everybody who's going to step onto the ice and during training camp at uh, at Center Ice Arena in Traverse City. Boom! You know, those preseason games are going to be. There's a lot on the line. But he says, if I don't get it, I got. I'm going to go down to Grand Rapids and play my tail off because. If, they're, if they knew need a call-up, I want to be the first guy called up. And you should know, too, in Grand Rapids, with contracts coming off the books after this season, and yes, there are always changes, you're, you're setting yourself up. Yeah, we're in a day-to-day -day business, as they always say, right. of winning, but right. you're also in a year-to-year, -year too. You're day-to-day -to, -day to, to prove yourself and be better, but you can also have a long-term view, right. as much as the organization here will preach, preach patience, and they should, for a player, too get yourself set up to the next level so when that opportunity comes you're ready like as i always say the, you know luck is when preparation meets opportunity so you're not lucky to get that try everything right, right. you've done whether it be in junior hockey or the american hockey league you're setting yourself up for the next stage so i think as a player you have to have that view also right no i i, I think that I, I think you're absolutely correct um now just being a total uh, fanning out here um it would really be nice if they caught like a real, real break on a player. Just somebody who not really comes out of nowhere, who just really is instant star. Uh, or, you know, it finally catches on, it, it, you know, clicks inside his head and elevates his game. When I think of that player, I think it's got to be Philip Zadina. 
just because of his ability to score goals. And I don't care what anybody says, that shot he has is incredible. Mm-hmm. And but, that's why the Red Wings took him six. And that's, you know, when, when he so-called fell to six. Why did he fall to six? I don't know. They obviously saw something. They liked him, and you hope he can. Yeah, sure, you hope he can be that guy. He's certainly got I, potential. I'm going to take a, a knock at a few a NHL worker. teams, but I won't. I, that's why he fell to six. I mean, but. Uh, well, there are. There are uh, Paul Colson fell where where he fell, and you thought he'd go. But there's. I always, did. I thought they would take him. Okay, and there were other teams. But that, I did mention Mo Sider, though, too. Yeah, but, but not at six. No, but Mo Sider, there also, when people said the Red Wings uh, could move back, I'd heard from others that they couldn't move back, right, and right. if they really wanted Sider, because he would have been gone. Well, Craig so Button said yeah. that on the last podcast. Right. Well, he could have been ranked 13 or 15, but there were teams he wasn't going to get there. And even if you go back to 10, there were maybe teams he wasn't going to get there. So if he's your guy, he's your guy. If the Red Wings like Sedina, you take him. He's on your list. That's where you go. Even though he was a winger, and I know you're always looking for center and D, and the Red Wings grabbed the D this year in Mo Sider. Uh, it's it's going to be time. These you know they're 18 years old. These they're young. When I, when I said catch a break on a player, and and I again because I'm Zadina obsessed, especially on this podcast for some reason. But uh, but maybe they caught a break already because a guy who really has been impressive in his short body of NHL work, but has been impressive two development camps ago, then went to Michigan State and was tied for the NCAA lead in scoring, is Taro Hirose. Mm-hmm. Could he be that guy? I mean, is that a guy that, you know, because I, I can remember looking at Steve's Tampa teams, and I know, you know, Hirose was on the Red Wings radar before Steve became the GM, but... They seem to have guys kind of come out of nowhere. You know what I mean? Just boom, boy, they're, geez, where'd this guy come from? You know, I mean, that, that almost seemed to be their uh, modus operandi or whatever that word Well, is. you're hoping when all those free agents are available and you're thinking this team's after him. Remember uh, the grandson of Bobby and Bond and everyone was after him was a free agent years ago. De Kaiser was a free agent. Right, 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 worked, right, right. Worked out pretty well. So there are always those players you go, wow, how'd they get him? Everybody's after this guy. Everyone's after that guy and Hayes and, and they're after this guy. And then maybe they don't turn out the way you think they did. The short, the small sample size of Taro Hirose was pretty good. And he's a very smart player. You can see it. And the skill level and the vision on the ice and working on his skating to get stronger. So they knew from that small sample size what Taro found out what he has to work on, right? So you you hope you hope you catch that. You hope you do. When how much stock and I now I'm gonna sound like a you know a real downy here, how much stock can we put into that streak that the Red Wings had towards the end of the year when they were out of the playoffs, but they really elevated their game. I mean, but then, you know, I, I, I think about this probably way too much. I'm thinking, but, you know, that's what you want, though, right? I mean, they want to win. Blashill wants to win as a coach. I mean, the organization... Not so sure the staff wanted them to. Well, yeah, you know, the staff might have been thinking... They're thinking draft. Right, they're probably thinking draft. But you oh, know they were as, thinking draft. You know as well as I do that... You know, I, 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 this whole tanky thing is just absurd. It's a bunch of crap. Yeah. You know, and right. so, but but with that said, they are always wanting to win. And sure. these guys took it upon themselves to really put together a really nice string. I mean, that's something they have to build on. Or do you think, you know, as Scotty Bowman always said, the proof is in the pudding that, yeah, that streak was nice, but we really don't know exactly where they're at until they start playing in October when the season is real. That's right. And when you have something to truly play right. for. And right. I've spoken to many players about this. Is there something to that down the stretch when you got nothing to lose? Yeah. They, they, players will say it. They go, yeah, I'm a little bit looser. We're having fun. We know we can't go. Not that it's fun to be losing. But no, no. That's not what I mean. But just having fun, what could you do? You knew you are out of it the final few, three, four months. You, you knew you probably weren't getting in. There was a little time there where the Red Wings were close, but there was still months to go in the season. So you knew. And I've spoken to players firsthand who've told me, not just our guys, around the right, National right, Hockey right. League, that yes, there's something to it. You're just playing looser. So I think, as the old saying goes, you're never as bad as when you're bad how you look, and you're never as good as you truly look at that time either. So it's somewhere in the middle. So I take it with a grain of salt. But for confidence-wise, for a guy like Taro Hirose, 
That doesn't hurt. Yeah. Come up, play. What the heck? You're just learning the National Hockey League. So if the guys around you are a little bit looser and you're playing and you're getting in, in position where you are because everyone's playing a little better, that's okay if it helps his game. So take the, the, take, take the small gifts when you can. I think getting back to Mantha, Larkin, and Bertuzzi, I think that they're going to be fine. And one of the reasons why I think is because of Dylan Larkin is because he does play with a little bit of an attitude and chip on his shoulder. He led the Red Wings in penalties last year. He'd like to cut that down. No, he well, should. You don't want Dylan Larkin leading in no, penalties. No, 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 you don't. No. But, you know, I guess... But that, you know what that comes with? That comes with maturity. That comes right. with frustration. Um, you can see it sometimes. He's frustrated. He'd be the first to tell you. So some of those will ease off as he matures. Well, right. And he's young. He just turned 23 a few days ago. I saw him uh, over his 23rd birthday. And I, said, I said to him, I said, what are you now, 24? He goes, 23. <laughs> and I'm thinking, that's right, he is. But you forget. You forget how young he is. Oh, right. And, and so do fans. And they think even the guys at 19 and 20 should be there where they're 25, 26. He's just getting into his prime. He's not even there. No, no, he isn't. And right. he, he's only going to get better. But what I do like about him is that when you talk to him, he hates to freaking lose. Yeah. And when they lose, it doesn't matter where they're at in the standings. He just hates it. Don't and, you want that, though? Well, that's Either. exactly what you yeah. want because you know this as well as I do. When the Red Wings had their golden teams or they're losing 13, 14 games a year or whatever, when you walked into that room after a loss... You didn't even want to approach those guys because they were all so angry that they lost, even though they're on the way to winning, you know, an NHL record 62 games or whatever it was. But that's what I see. And, and I guess my point about this is, is that they've got their core in place when I mean their heart and their soul in Larkin. And that's why I would assume that he is going to be the next captain, even though I keep anointing him all the time. But... He seemed to change. I know NHL.com just published a story with one of their writers. Uh, forgive me, I can't remember who. This was the first time where he, I think he's actually quoted as saying, I am ready to be captain of the Red Wings. That's the maturity that you're talking mm -hmm. about. Because he always says, oh, I don't know about that, or it'd be nice if it happened, but we don't need a captain. NHL teams, don't, there's a lot of leaders in the room. You know, he always defers. Boom. He turns 23, and now he's saying, yeah, you know what? I'm ready to be captain. But that's, again, what you want. And with him in place, and, I, and I'm pretty sure, and I don't know this for a fact, Steve's got to look at him and his attitude and how he's progressed and how he had a great freshman year, shall we say, uh, rookie season in the, uh, in the NHL. Not so good second season, and then has just rebounded nicely. That boom, you know, at least I have a foundation and a huge building block in Dylan Larkin. Yeah, and the second season for Dylan, he had to learn the league because the league learned him. Right. So he had to adjust. And the same thing he's doing now, he's adjusting. And uh, there were too many losses for many people's liking last year, but that's how it, how it was. And, and after many of those games, Dylan Larkin was ready to answer. And when he did, he answered very thoughtfully. I remember, you know, in the year prior with Henrik Zetterberg, and he'd, after every loss, because he was captain, came out. And I remember Mickey and I were talking to him. Mickey said, you know, on Fox Sports Detroit, we don't necessarily need you to speak after every loss. This must get really tiring. And he said, no, it's what I have to do. I get it. I'll take it for the rest of the team. And I think Dylan Larkin... Saw that with Henrik Zetterberg and probably feels the same way. He can do that. And yes, you could be spelled off by Nick Cronwell and others to do it. But that was Zetterberg just knowing that's the role. And I think I think Dylan Larkin can handle that. And knowing that he may have to answer that and, and losses, which will be more than victories, um, it, it will drive him to even be that much better so that doesn't happen. You don't have to be talking about it all the time. So I think he knows where his maturity level is. Right, no, I, I think he does too. And, 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 and I, I'm really... Uh, I'm eager. Getting now to, you, you mentioned Nick Cromwell, we still are not sure what he's going to do. I, I think the, the, the prevalent feeling that I get, if Nick comes back, they might go with the four A's again, the four alternate captains, out of respect to, to Cromwell, whom I, I would believe if they would have known that his knee would have held up the last couple of seasons when uh, uh, Henrik was, unfortunately had to you know, retire prematurely because of his back, they might have given him a C. 
I think they didn't, if I remember correctly, just right. They didn't know that and how many games he would he actually play, be playing. Right. Now, he missed the first three a couple of years ago, played the next 79. Same story this year. Missed year. three, played the next 79. He, he, was their best, he was their best defenseman yeah, last year. I mean, dude, Kaiser, when DeCon, Danny had a really good year, too. I don't want to take anything away from Danny. Um, you know, I mean, he was a plus player. I mean, on, on this team, which is extraordinary mm-hmm. at yep. times. And so, um, but... If Cromwell comes back, maybe it's four C's. I don't know. I don't have any answer. Again, I you know I'm just speculating. But so you worry about that more than me. I do worry about. It. I, you know why? I guess I worry about it because when I first you're a became, leader. You're a leader. When I became a hockey fan, the first time when I, I became know. a hockey fan, like Alex Del Vecchio was captain of the Red Wings, and he seemed to be captain of the Red Wings forever. And then they went through the, the phase where, you know. Our good well, buddy Paul they, they Woods, you know, three Mickey or Redmond four was guys. captain for a short time. Yeah, okay, everybody seemed here. to get to see, you know, right. Red Berenson, you know, well, here, you know, Reed Larson, you know, boom, 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 boom. It always seems to me when you have a definitive captain for a long period of time, and this again, and maybe I'm just full of it here. You have a pretty good hockey club. You may be full of it, but I, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, you've got stability. I mean, you've got a guy who. As you said, he knows what he do has really to do. Do you really think a C on his sweater or jersey, whichever you want to say, is going to change Dylan Larkin at all? I don't think it's going to change him, per, his personality, but I think it will change him on the ice. And I'll tell you what it'll change. He'll be more disciplined because, he, you know, even though he had an A on last year for home games, and then if somebody was hurt, he would have him on on the road too. But I think because... He's got a C on, and he can talk to anybody at any given time and ask for explanations. And Politely. I think that he can, yes, yes. Sort but of. I think he can chirp a little bit more and get away with it a little bit more because he you is know what? the captain. I, I, yeah, maybe. But I also think from a referee standpoint, the longer you've played and the respect you earn on the ice, I mean, if you were to ask Sidney Crosby early on and how many times and the bitching that he did, uh, sometimes you you just turn. A, they're tired of hearing it after a while, and he'd probably tell you he did too much of it, and the frustration level too. Well, that could be that could be with maturity, but I do, but I do think, I think in this point, you know, and again, this is just my own personal belief. Larkin with a C on, I think, elevates him in the uh, in the NHL. Perception, think, uh, yes, perception. His perception in the NHL is elevated. He's twenty three. He's a captain. I think he's respected actually around. Do you the think league. it? Ele- all right. Do you think it elevated Jack Eichel? You know his what? That's a really. You know what? He popped right into my mind. I don't. But I. Eichel's think, a good player. I, I don't think yeah, putting I, a C on him made him. Oh, he's now the leader but of the Buffalo Sabres. But see, but see, this is this is the thing. I am not sure. I think why for Larkin and I, I really didn't plan on getting this big heavy captain discussion. I think. Me because, neither. I think because. <laughs> <laughs> Dylan, you got to be listening to this. No, <laughs> I, I think because he's from here, because Steve was a longtime captain, yeah. because of Nick being a longtime captain, he gets it and he understands it. I think Eichel, being from Boston and being thrown into Buffalo, which is kind of a mess at times, you know, trying to still find their way. Detroit has a foundation. Detroit's an original six franchise. Detroit has won. Uh, the third most Stanley Cups in league history and the most for any American franchise. I mean, they are an immortal franchise, and I think he gets it and understands it. Where Eichel, Buffalo has always been kind of, except for, you know, when Brett Hall cheated and they and won the Stanley Cup. Don't say that, <laughs> no, my joking. buddy Brett. Don't say I'm that. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking for Dylan, considering the age, um, and he obviously proved it, that he could handle it, that Steve Eisenman was when he was captain of the Red Wings with Jacques Demers. Uh, I think that may mean a lot to Dylan now that Steve's here and the youth and yet the magnitude and can look to the executive vice president and there and see what he did too. Will mean as much as the others are Lidstrom, long-term or Zetterberg. I think that if he's anointed by the Red Wings with Steve Eisenman at the helm and at a similar age, albeit a little older for Dylan, I think that may mean just as much. Well, more, I'll, I'll, but, right, I, I agree. Now, see if you agree with this. I told Dylan this when, when I went out to this hockey school in uh, uh, in late uh, um, uh, June, right after the draft. You know that there's iconic pictures that each franchise has that each, that 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 are known for. You know, whatever those may be. You know, uh, Detroit production line. 
you know, Steve Eiserman scoring a goal against, uh, you know, St. Louis against John Casey, that jump or whatever, uh, him holding the cup for the first time, and you know, his yeah. daughter, you know, what, whatever it is. There's iconic photographs. I guarantee you, when he is named captain and he stands up there holding a Red Wing jersey, his jersey with a C, standing next to Steve Eiserman, yeah. and those two are holding it together, I mean. yeah. that will live forever. Mm -hmm. That will live forever. That is going to be a huge photograph. And I'm not into photographs and autographs and all that kind of stuff. I never have been. But I'm telling you right now, that picture alone will be so iconic that I think when Larkin looks at it, maybe then the moment will really set in. And I think the sky will be the limit for him. I really do. If you don't think... Guess what? I'm a big believer in Don Larkin. But, yeah. but I'm just telling you. He should you, be. You know, He's a great player. Yeah. He's only going to get better. Right. Yeah. So, But you, you understand what I'm saying. It, but he's from here, too. Surprisingly enough, I do, Art. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know, let me put it to you this way. If, uh, if Austin Matthews was an Arizona Coyote or something and he was captain, I mean, that would be a big deal for him. Not that not being captain of the Leafs, if he ever becomes captain of the Leafs, would be. But I'm just saying, hometown team, he's making good, you know, grew up here. Played for Michigan for a year. He's going to go back, he says, and get his degree from there. Uh, boom, boom, boom. I mean, local boy makes good. Being captain of the Red Wings, oh, yeah. would, it, it just doesn't get any better. Yeah. And if it's this year, it'll be this year. Yeah, I know. I'm with you. Yeah, Ralph. Well, We're it's, moving on from Larkin now? Yeah, it has to be this year. <laughs> I don't know if I can get through the year if he's not. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> All right. Forward core looks pretty good. You know, there, there's going to be some battles, and if you look at it, they, they have a little bit of depth. Uh, so now let's turn our attention to the blue line. Danny Kaiser's almost 30. You're going to give Mo Sider time, are you? I will give Mo Sider. Thank you. I will give give him some time, okay? I'm going to give He's him 18. Some time. Give him some time. Okay. But there's... there. I get the feeling, again, just me, that he wants to go back to Germany and play if he doesn't make the Red Wings, and chances of him making the Red Wings are probably slim. But wouldn't it be better if he played in the AHL? Or they they like the the program in Mannheim. There, and I think it, it. You know, I think they'll probably. I would think to say to Mo, where are you going to be most comfortable? And they'll they'll figure it out. They're a smart group. There, they'll they'll, they'll figure out where's best for him. But, you know, and through this year as they watch him and those, and you have to be, you know, for Philip Peronic, you have to be really happy with where the Red Wings got him with the extra pick in that round two and the world championship watching him play and just the confidence now with which he's playing. Patrick Nemeth, nice veteran addition, isn't going to wow you offensively, but kill penalties, block shots, um, stabilize back there. And again, there'll be so many injuries. You've got the, the contracts to Green and Daly and Erickson coming off after this year. So there'll be a, there'll be a lot to watch this season, really, on the blue line and, and positioning for jobs and, you know, what happens with Nick Cronwell, et cetera. Well, right, because Cronwell, Green, um, Daly, and Erickson are on their mid to late 30s. And then Danny's almost thirty, but he has a you know he's he's playing well. So the blue line obviously is going to be retooled here very very quickly. Uh, do you think again when we talked about breaks of a player, whether it be Mo Sider, Heronic, uh looks like he's Heronic, he is gonna, it looks like he's going to be a uh, uh, you know a very good player that they have some pieces on the blue line. Sure, but it's pretty apparent when. Three out of their first four draft choices this year were defensemen. Uh, they chose five defensemen out of the 11 picks they had. They also chose five forwards, but they're really high picks, except for Master Simone, were, were defensemen, that Steve understands. He knows that they need, the blue line needs to really be rebuilt. Well, his former team goes out and signs Kevin Shattenkirk uh, on the deal, just, you know, sure, defense is important. Uh, uh, the key, and, and young D, remember when, when Steve got to Tampa, he had Victor Hedman there, so it's it's nice to build around that, and then you add to it. Um, they got some kids coming, but that's going to be some time, and that's why I think in their mind getting Cider was so important. They know it's going to be time, but it's a nice block, and you fill in, and there will be, as we mentioned earlier, with the contracts coming off the books, it, depending who's available, maybe it's a free agent signing. But again, whenever you're signing anyone at this stage of the game, 
and how much you're investing in that, is the team ready to take that next step that that then becomes worthwhile to your progress? Well, right. No, that's a great point because if you look at it, Dennis, uh, Dennis Chalowski, I mean, right. I, you know, he kind of came out of nowhere last year and made the team and that was good. I mean, that, you know, it's like, oh, you know, they want to make those tough they decisions. They do, but then remember the Red Wings had all the kids in there, and then Cholosky sort of hits the wall and goes back to, to Grand Rapids and struggled a little bit. So, you know, what can he show at camp? So with Cholosky, with Heronic, with Cider, it, it, it'll, it'll take a few years, but that's okay. And then in the interim, when contracts come off, you're, you're biding time till those guys are ready in, in two or three years to fully take a step. And a player that, when they acquired him in the Nick Jensen deal, Ken Holland came right out and said, we almost drafted him, uh, is Madison, Madison Bowie, Bowie, who seems to have, you know, he started off pretty rough here in Detroit, I'll say mm -hmm. that. But yep. then when the team started to play better, you know, he's playing 23, right. 24 minutes a night, not, and cutting down on his mistakes. His game his, calmed down a little right, bit. Right, he yeah. calmed down. He wasn't turning the fuck over right. every other shift, you know? Right. I mean, so, and he's a big guy, so... He, who knows? I mean, you know, because he, you know, when you get traded, I would imagine you have to think, okay, um, you know, there's only so many times I can be traded before. Yeah, you but know, you can also view it as a fresh start too. Well, well, no, that's that's what I'm saying. But he, I think he knows that the, uh, you know, that maybe the clock is ticking a little bit, even though he's pretty young. And it's a, it was a deeper blue line where he came from in Washington, and, and I I like Nick Jensen. Obviously, the Capitals did too signing him, but. You know, should he's going to be a, a top four? No. So again, there. This is what this year is for. It's not going to be the yo-yo as you mentioned earlier. Right. That's not what the Red Wings want to do with players. But Bowie, hopefully, will will push somebody. And if it's in Grand Rapids, then okay, you wait and someone gets hurt, and then maybe that's your time. Not everything has to come in September or October. No, no, it doesn't. It, it really doesn't. I mean, fans can think that or want that. And fans always be, want that because they're impatient. Exactly. Yeah. But but you know, this is uh, this is a long term uh, rebuild, and and it's not like it can't be exciting in a long term rebuild. And watch these kids. I think it's fun. I, a lot of games last year, and I saw the guys do whether it be the Lucy Goosey toward the end of the year. It was actually fun, and it's a great group of guys, and the chemistry in that room is wonderful, and the kids all want to grow together. And the veteran guys that they got there from Green and Daly and Cronwall and Erickson, they, they fit in very well with these guys. So well, they fit in very well, and the one thing, and you're absolutely right, I will say this about the Red Wings, for the most part, and everybody has the occasional bad game, or you know, collectively they have a bad game especially when they're playing Montreal, but uh, oh. and, and sometimes Those Boston. are some bad games. It's sometimes Boston. Those are some tough games. <laughs> but, but, the Montreal games were tough. Yeah, games. but except for Montreal oh. and Boston, no. But all kidding aside, though, is that they play hard. I mean, they yeah. do play hard. Yes. You know, they don't... And they play quick. Yes, they, nice. they're a fast yeah. team. They play hard, you know. And more coaches told me after, he said, boy, I watched your game the other night going into place. And right. he said, boy, your team plays fast. I got that from, from about Jeff Blaschel's team from more coaches around the league. They press you and they play quick. And that, well, this, the game today is all about speed. Well, it is. And, and I think, too, that, you know, the last couple of years, because the Red Wings haven't been in the playoffs, you know, he's, he's coached at the international level in the world championships. But I do think a lot of that has to do with his coaching style. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. the bigger ice surface. I mean, you know, the fifth. You know, although I hear debates all the time. Is it really a faster game on the larger ice surface? No. It's, you're sitting around, you're waiting. You're, I don't think, you know, that 100-foot that ice, and we're at 85 now, 200 by 85, I've, and I, I wrote about this in my book, If These Walls Could Talk, I wish the rink could be 90 feet wide, not 100, just 2.5 per side. And I said this back in yeah. 1988 when the Olympics were in Calgary and the ability to go to bigger ice. I thought when they were building Little Caesars Arena, they'd have the ability to go to bigger ice, but they didn't. It's not the way it was built. And very few buildings are like that in the National Hockey League to go to bigger ice. And it was a shame when they were building all these buildings across the league, way back to the 80s mm -hmm. and the 90s, that they didn't have the ability with a bigger plant underneath to go to bigger ice. Again, not 100. You don't want that. But I was thinking an extra five feet, an extra five feet wide would just create that little bit more space. And people say, well, you, you can't do that. And even a retrofit, retro although it would cost millions, that you're losing those first two rows of seats. No, you're not. You're just 
pushing everybody back two rows. You're losing right, the, right, right, the last right. row of the building's two rows right, of seats. Right, 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 You're not right. losing the first two rows. There's still going to be two rows. Right, there. right, right, right. Exactly. You're just losing You're the end of the right, building. Right. What difference does that make? So I wish they would have done, but no, a hundred foot. No, I don't. I don't think so. You can ask Jeff Blash. Blash all that. I don't. I don't think that helps at all. When uh, you know, to sum it up, it should be a very. Uh, I think interesting year for yeah. this aspect is is that there is young talent on the team how far it's able to take them in the standings and you know we haven't even mentioned that uh you know forward core seems to be in fairly good shape it, you know blue line you know it's it's in flux and i guess the one thing that you've got to really pray for is uh if you're a wings fan is that jimmy and bernier stay healthy nothing against uh uh Calvin Pickard or, uh, uh, you know, because Philip Larson, again, long-term effect, you want him to be the, the goalie in Grand Rapids or start for most of the games, make a, you know, every time he's moved up a level, he's and it's that's, been a, a seamless transition for him. And that's why they signed Pickard, and yeah. he'll be really good for Philip Larson. They're not looking at, at him anytime in the near future here. Jimmy Howder, new one-year deal, and with Bernier, and I think the Two more... Two more the, years with Bernier. Yeah, and I, this is last one now, right? I think no, so. I think no, I think no. He signed last year. I think he signed a three-year, nine million dollar deal, if I remember correctly. So with the two of them, and I think Bernier is better. Probably the more he plays, as most goalies will get into a rhythm. So I think it's exciting to see it. How does Heronic? Does he continue last year and progress to the world world championships? Can Chalosky take a step and be comfortable that back there? You know, how does Nemeth fit in? Can uh, Larkin and Mantha, the goal scoring they did last year, and Bertuzzi, who piled up a lot of points in, in a short period of time, can he continue that over full season? Can Athanasiu be more consistently night in, night out? Uh, Taro Hirose, can he take his game, you know, in a small sample right, right, size right. and continue what he did? So, And how does Filpola fit back in? So to me, going into season for this year, it's not necessarily just about wins. It's if they play as competitively as many nights they did last year and with the speed, I think it'll be a lot of fun. That's when I, when I go call a game, I, I enjoy it because it's the excitement of what are these kids going to do? How are they going to progress? Playoffs, uh, it, it, I'm not even thinking that. I'm thinking how are they doing to set up for the, for the next level to get there and building on their game. And to me, every night we go in and you're going in there against Tampa Bay or going in there against St. Louis, are you necessarily going to beat them? Are the odds 50-50? No, but you got a chance. And if you play up to your level, you just might, or they're overlooking you and you're playing harder than they ever thought you would. And as I said before, I heard that from more teams around the league last year about Detroit. So to me, that's that's the excitement level. That's the excitement yeah, right. level. No, I agree. I agree yeah. with you. I'm looking forward to it. Ken, before we uh, wrap this up, I, I, I again want to uh, let fans know that tickets are still available for uh, uh, the Jamie D Daniels Foundation, the Celebrity Roast. It'll be Mickey Redmond this year. It's Saturday, September 7th at the Soundboard at Motor City Casino. Uh, 7.15, the doors open. Cocktail attire. Uh, and there's a silent auction. There'll be a live auction. You can bid on items right now on the silent auction. And with Mickey getting roasted, and then to see Mickey get up there and try to roast his roastees is oh, going to yeah. be hilarious. See Jed clamp it up there doing all that will be wonderful. You know, it's the, uh, you know, on live auction, a trip on Redbird. We've got a New Year's Eve experience, uh, uh, tickets, and come up, see Mickey, see the Fox Sports Detroit truck. And we've got a, a, a billiards table from Pro Billiards that will be set up in the auction room, be a live auction item. Value at eight to ten thousand dollars, and this billiards table is magnificent. And Pro Billiards will deliver it whenever you want it delivered. All the accessories, they'll put it together for you, all included. So, just among some of the items we got, it's uh, it's going to be wonderful. Well, Ken, you know I appreciate you being on Red and White Authority. You know we've known each other for a long time. Actually, I've known you longer than you've known me. Because From CBC days with the bad mustache. <laughs> with the mustache, yeah. right? I can't remember that Sunday night sports reports. Fifteen minutes long. I loved them. Uh, uh, yeah, they were long, and we had to fulfill our duties to make sure we mentioned Windsor because it was out of Toronto, but we had to get the Windsor stuff in. I talked more about the Spitfires back then. Than... <laughs> but but I do appreciate it, and I really want to say this to you is that as great a broadcaster slash telecaster, reporter, journalist that you are, what you have, how you have turned a tragedy into the Jamie Daniels Foundation and what you do 
is so much greater than what you've ever accomplished. That will be your legacy. And being a native Detroiter, what you've done for this area and this community to bring awareness, I can't, I can't thank you enough. I really thank can't. You. It means and, a lot. You know, you. but I mean, it's just absolutely, uh, it's absolutely tremendous. You know, when we talk about wins and losses with the Red Wings, and I truly know what wins and losses are about when Jamie passed. And that's where it, 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 it just gave me an additional mission as I say or, or people introduced me that Jamie always used to say to me because my golf game wasn't getting better he used to say dad you really need a summer job unfortunately he gave me one but in his memory um, we're going to do some wonderful things and we're going to help a lot we are helping a lot of people right now and and um, most of the proceeds from this dinner will go to build a recovery center in his name because I love talking about Jamie it keeps him alive for me right well you know certainly he's uh, he's alive in all of us thank you and uh I, I, you know, fans, if uh, if you have uh, have something, if you're not doing anything on September 7th, and, come on uh, out. Yes, you'll laugh. I guarantee. I guarantee you, I'll have a great night, and uh, we'll set it all up. And if you come this year, you want to be back next year for Scotty Bowman oh. uh, on August 29th next year. It's it's, it's going to be great. Yeah, that'll be great. Ken, again, thank you for joining thank us you. on the Red Authority. Thanks,